Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Drop Podcast. Man, we took a bit of a hiatus there for a while. Smash and I uh, both got really, really busy. Just life started to get in the way. So we sort of put the podcast on the back burner. Going forward, it's going to be just me hosting the podcast and mostly doing them solo. Smash has promised me that she's going to be a guest from time to time and she'll still come on and we can still chat about everything going on in our bike communities and things like that. But her schedule continues to be really, really busy. She was busy before. Smash, thank you so much for devoting your time and having the conversations that we had. Uh, I thought there was some really great stuff in those first episodes. Lots of great information about the community, perspectives and history of how we got into cycling. So thank you so much for devoting the time to that. My schedule also continues to be pretty crazy, but I've always been focused on, it's always been my intent to continue this podcast. I have tons of different areas of cycling that I want to discuss and hopefully bring some knowledge to people or uh, open up some discussions um, with it being just me. I think the vibe of the podcast is going to change a little bit and it's probably just going to kind of lock into my areas of expertise or at least where I'm not an expert, my areas of interest. So I'm really focused on two areas in cycling and within fitness in general. You know, I do other things besides cycling too, but cycling is the thing that I'm the most passionate about. And the other stuff that I do is probably either to make me a more well-rounded human or to make me a better cyclist. So usually it all feeds back into cycling. The first thing I'm really focused on is longevity with my fitness. Longevity, when we talk about it from a fitness standpoint, means being able to do your activity late into life. So these are where you could have 30, 40 year goals uh, for your fitness goals. Um, juxtapose that with short-term goals that could be three to six weeks, six months, one year. So we've talked about before having short-term goals and then super, super long goals. The longevity portion of that is the really long goal. The way that you achieve that, there's lots of different principles that come into play. Um, the two things that I focus on for longevity are first sustainability and also consistency. So sustainability means building a plan that doesn't injure you, doesn't uh, make you lose weight too fast or isn't too aggressive. So that's sustainability. And of course, consistency is just doing a little bit every day or a couple days a week. And then just doing that for years and years and years. Sustainability and consistency are a really, really lethal combination within fitness. If you can master those two things, you're probably going to have a lifetime of fitness. So longevity is something I'm really passionate about. The second thing that I'm really focused on is riding far. The longer, the better. Hundreds of miles. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm fascinated by people who do things like race across America, you know, that's thousands of miles. 
uh, where you're maybe getting a day of sleep in the middle or something like that. Um, riding far is a big, big passion of mine. But I still want to call this no drop, and I really want to make it for everyone. And a lot of these concepts for longevity or for riding really far, those principles have value to every fitness program, every cycling passion. You can sort of cherry pick different ideas about sustainability or nutrition or pacing. And if you mostly do, you know, like 30 mile rides or something like that, there's going to be principles that you can apply to any distance of riding or any sort of fitness vibe. So I really want to make it approachable. I want to make it something that the different disciplines of cycling, we're all sharing knowledge. You know, I, I think about all the time, even over this last weekend, I went up into the mountains in Angeles Forest, and one of the people in the group that I was in was on a fixie. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm there and I'm, I'm struggling with 22 gears, and they've got one. And it's so fun to chat with those people because you realize that they're in a different zone, they're in a different place mentally, they're moving their body differently. I want to learn more about that. So I think that even though it's not something that I do, fixed gear riding, it's something that I see it, I need to learn about it, I need to have that knowledge, and then chances are there's something I can apply to this type of riding that I do. Um, so I really do want to make this for everyone and sort of a place to like share knowledge and get different ideas and perspectives. And of course, with being in Los Angeles, I feel deeply, deeply connected with the Los Angeles cycling community. So I think it'll probably focus a lot on the community here. Obviously, it'll be the geography here. This is where I do like all my riding. Um, and I absolutely love it. And I'm, the people that I've met through cycling have been great. So I want to have maybe some of those people on and talk about their histories and their perspectives. And that'll kind of be the vibe of the podcast going forward. So for this week's episode, I really want to lock in on the idea of riding far. And I want to look at it from the perspective of juxtaposing it against riding fast. Riding far and riding fast are really two exclusive fitness concepts. If you're training yourself and you're trying to, if you, if you think of it in basic terms, you know, you could think, what do I want to do? Do I want to get fast or do I want to ride far? Unless you have a really, really detailed, disciplined fitness program, I would really encourage you to work with a coach at that point. These are things that like should be broken up into their own concepts and you should devote training blocks just to one of these ideas. It's incredibly stressful for the body to adapt to either getting faster or riding further. So it's best to just sort of focus on these and look at them as two different things. With riding far, you're going to be worrying about things like bringing a unique mindset, 
the nutrition strategies you're going to implement need to be very unique to riding far. When you think about gear, you're going to be thinking a lot more of durability, a lot less about lightweight. Planning and logistics is going to have to be a really big part of your riding, uh, especially when you get past kind of the 200 mile mark. Logistics is just as key to success as fitness, for sure. And then you have to look at training in a unique way as well with riding far. You're going to be a lot more focused on just putting time in the saddle. If we think about riding fast, you're going to be thinking of your gear in terms of how light is it? How fast is it? How aero is it? When you look at your training, you're probably going to be working with power-based training, doing intervals. These are probably going to be relatively short training sessions. A lot of the racers I know get a ton of benefits out of you know, 45, 50 minutes a session. Um, for some of us long riders, that's like a warm-up. So you really are looking at unique approaches to how you train. And with riding fast, the fastest riding happens in groups. So you're really going to need to lock down on group dynamics, on how to hold a wheel, how to, be, how to have perception uh, about the riders around you and how to navigate with them and how to stay safe, how to keep everybody safe. This is always, it's always safety first in this. So if you're riding fast, you're really going to have to put a lot of work into group dynamics. If you're riding far, that might be a little bit more of a solo pursuit or very small groups. So those large group dynamics aren't really going to be applicable. So we can see just through these principles how unique each of these areas are. So let's focus just on riding far. And let's talk about that idea of bringing a unique mindset to your riding. Mindset within physical fitness and activity is typically thought of as a heightened sense of motivation. Motivation is great. Being able to think that you can tackle any obstacle is an amazing skill to cultivate. But when we're talking about riding far, that amped up level of consciousness can be a really big waste of energy. So when we, when we think about mindset and ultra-endurance activities, we're really trying to get in a more meditative place. Um, you hear some people talk, talk about it, uh, a concept called flow state. Uh, flow state is something that, you know, ultra endurance athletes will take these mindfulness courses to be able to put themselves in this flow state. And flow state is essentially like you're, you're perceiving your surroundings, you're doing the bare minimum to keep yourself safe, right? So on a bike, that's like watching the road, keeping yourself upright, making sure your body positioning is good. But beyond that, you're just sort of flowing through time flow state okay so we want to be tough but we also want to be really meditative toughness is a huge burn of energy mental stimulation is an enormous burn of energy your brain burns something like 30 percent of the calories in your body 
So you can see if you get really amped up on a ride, you're trying to ride hundreds of miles, and you're trying to bring this incredibly aggressive mental attitude, you're burning an astonishing amount of calories just with your mindset. So we need to walk that down a little bit and kind of keep that in check. This low anxiety state is much, much more sustainable. And it also gives you a place where when you need it, you can tap into your adrenaline. You know, you, you, not good to have adrenaline going for 10 to 20 hours at a time. But if you're doing these rides and just every once in a while, you're tapping into that adrenaline, that's much, much, much more sustainable. And safety is a huge issue when we're talking about flow state on a bicycle. So I really want to stress this, that it's incredibly important to stay attentive. We don't want to be falling asleep, so to speak. We don't want to be missing things on the road. We don't want to get like so mentally numb that we're forgetting to keep our own safety in mind. So you really have to find a balance between like a completely meditative state and then a more anxious state. We just kind of want to float there in the middle. For nutrition, you really need a unique strategy for nutrition when you're riding long. It's a question of survival at this point. I mean, some of the rides, depending on how long the rides that you do, uh, it's dangerous to not intake the right amount of calories for, you know, six plus hours, 10 plus hours, 20 plus hours. And if you're going beyond that, it gets more dangerous. So you need to have a better strategy the further that you go. It takes a ton of experimentation to find out what nutrition is going to work while you ride the bike. Um, you need things that fuel you from an energy standpoint. You need things that hopefully provide some vitamins and nutrients and things like that to sustain your body and to keep you healthy. Um, I love the idea of like whole foods. I try to prepare as much food at home as I possibly can. Um, I try to do as little uh, performance candy, like goos and gels and stuff like that. Uh, I try to minimize that, that stuff because I just like to eat like the food that I eat in my everyday life. I find the things that work on the bike, give me the performance I have, and then I figure out a way to prepare those. And we'll be talking a lot about food in episodes. So that's something that I'm really passionate about is uh, preparing my food at home off the bike, but also preparing my food and then being able to take it with me and relying on that for most of the day. Um, but like I said, it's very unique person to person. It takes a ton of experimenting to get there. And there's, there's also a training element to it. When you're, even if you're finding food that does work for you, chances are when you start to eat riding the bike, it's probably going to be pretty uncomfortable. So even if you're finding foods that are good, it might still not feel great. So there's a training aspect to nutrition too. And we'll get into all that in later episodes. That'll be an ongoing discussion. I don't think there will ever be an end to it. I'm still refining and redesigning my nutrition strategies and finding ways to simplify or, or introduce more diversity or 
uh, other concepts that I really enjoy and, and, and am passionate about within nutrition. The gear and mainly the durability of the gear that we use when we start to ride really far becomes really, really important. So a lot of gear is sold and marketed as this is the lightest, this is the fastest, this is the most aero. Those things are great. I like to introduce those things when it makes sense. But my first concern when making gear choices is durability because durability equals reliability. Even if you're really fit, a really, really long ride with a lot of mechanical issues is psychologically a very difficult place to be. It's going to take a really long time, so logistics might get thrown out the window. Having gear that just works is the best. The way to learn about this gear is to find a community, find people who do the type of riding that you do or that you want to do that you see yourself doing and talk to them about what they use. It might not be the exact thing that's right for you, but they're going to have a little bit different perspective on just like, okay, this is the new trendy thing. You got to have it. They're going to have a little bit more of a, um, they're going to be testing their gear all the time, hundreds and hundreds of hours of riding. And chances are, if there's something that they use, it's probably going to be super, super reliable. So it can at least shift your perspective into a different area or give you sort of a, a, a different launching point to find your gear and to make the connections with the products that you buy. I personally learned so much of what I know from the people that I've met and the people that I ride with. Um, I still to this day have been using the same tire for years because somebody told me it was the best. I put it on my bike. I didn't get a flat on a 400 mile ride. And I was like, cool, now I'm locked in. <laughs> now I know what these are. And those are the uh, Continental Grand Prix Four Seasons. Um, so that's just one, one example of many of just like finding a product that works. It's not the fastest, it's not the lightest, but it's my favorite because it does what I want it to do. Planning and logistics within big riding, this is one of my favorite areas to get into. I love sitting down and just breaking, taking a ride, mapping it all out, and then breaking it down into little sections as if those are kind of their own unique efforts finding all the water spots, where do I need food, where, need, where do I need to make sure I have food. I love the planning and logistics portion of riding. And it's something that if that's a goal for you, you want to get more comfortable with as well. So if somebody says, hey, we're going on a hundred mile ride, say, cool, send me a map, look at the map, break it down, see where stop points are, see where water spots are, uh, where are bathroom breaks possible, uh, where, you know, where is food going to be and things like that. You can start to build plans based off that. And this is something that I do for every big ride that I do. And I also do it 
with friends of mine who are doing big rides. We'll sit down, we'll look at the map, we'll talk it over, we'll figure out a strategy, and it just ensures a level of success and encourages safety because you know what's going on, you know what's around you. Once you do this for a while, it gets really, really easy. After, you know, I've been doing big rides for years. I consider myself like a beginner, intermediate level uh, endurance cyclist. And even just in the few years that I've been doing these now, I can take, you know, a 100 to 200 mile ride, just kind of eyeball it and be like, okay, I think I know what that takes. Um, if it's longer than that, I might sit down, you know, a couple weeks before and, and come up with a more definitive plan uh, to ensure success and increase safety and, and all that good stuff. But once you do it for a while, it gets really simple to look at a mileage, look at an elevation profile and be like, okay, I kind of know how to do that ride. And to me, that's a really liberating feeling to be able to interpret your map like that. So planning and logistics, I love. I'll do an episode where I kind of like take a route and break it down and kind of talk about how I would approach it. And it's going to be pretty, you know, everybody's different when they ride. So I'll be kind of telling the story from my perspective, but it'll give you a really clear idea of just sort of how to approach that and the things that you can find for yourself that are valuable and uh, apply those to your future rides. With training, we mentioned the idea of time in the saddle. So anytime I stress time in the saddle, I just mean a lot of time in the saddle. Just sit on your bike and pedal it. It's not hard, it's not fast. You're not, you're not training fast here. You just need to be on your bike spinning. If you're looking at heart rate zones, you're probably looking at zone two, maybe a low zone three effort level. Find that comfortable all day riding pace and just lock into that and just spin around and, and have a great, great time. If you want to try to push it a little bit here and there, that's cool too. But the, the training, the number one thing we're trying to do in our training for big rides is just put more time into the saddle. And that is the kind of stress that you want to bring to your body not sprinting up hills or trying to beat friends to uh, county line sprints or something like that, just in the saddle, spinning at a very comfortable pace, conversation pace, and just do that for as much time as you can devote to it. The one drawback with time-based training is, of course, that it does take a lot of time. So it needs you need to have a schedule conducive to being able to give up that much time Ideally, for a program like that, you'd probably want to be looking at a minimum of eight hours a week to, to put a bunch of time in the saddle. Now, if you're busy, you don't have that kind of time, you can still get a bunch of benefit and gain a bunch of fitness that is applicable on long rides. However, you have to get a little bit more calculated, get a little bit, little bit more surgical, at that point, the idea of working with a coach or getting some type of service to build like a training plan to help you achieve your goals might be really good. But I know 
some people who have built astonishing amounts of fitness with less than an hour per session, maybe like four times a week, um, and gotten so fit. It's amazing. Uh, for personally, I don't like to train like that. I like to just kind of go around and faff about on my bike and enjoy the whole day outside when I can. But uh, that's not realistic all the time. And when my schedule does get busy, I turn to other methods of training to keep me moving forward or at least keep me where I was. So that way, when my schedule does open up and I can take advantage of putting more time in the saddle, I'm in a good place to do that. So with those five principles, those are sort of just generally glossing over how to look at riding far in a unique way versus riding fast. One thing that's so exciting about this area is that it's all really new still. There's a lot of uncharted territory in the world of endurance activities and ultra endurance activities. Um, the concept of flow state and sort of that term being floated. I mean, that's only been around for a couple of years when it comes to endurance activities. By the way, if that's something you do want to know more about, you can Google flow state, maybe flow state ultra endurance activities or something like that. Um, and that is a term that is, is focused on a lot because when it comes to mindset, that's a very important principle, but a pretty new one. So that's really exciting to sort of be in it, be figuring it out with everybody, uh, growing the sport. It's just really exciting and, and I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it and a lot of fulfillment out of it. So I hope you do too. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will catch you on the next one.